This is a show that brings to the forefront newsmakers, entertainers, and those making a difference in our lives and in our world. Each week is a new adventure with topics ranging from the most serious and cutting edge to the most lighthearted and entertaining. This is Taking Care of Business with Richard Solomon. Greetings, everyone. This is Richard Solomon with continuing coverage on Taking Care of Business on WCWP 88.1 FM for the WCWP community response to the COVID-19 crisis. Today's show will focus on personal safety. You're going to go out to supermarkets, drugstores, all kinds of places where you're going to be out there with people. And we're going to have Jared Ring, our expert, talk to us about that how to take care of decontamination, and overall safety tips. So without further ado, Jared, thank you so much. Just by way of background, Jared was an EMS supervisor, a paramedic supervisor, New York City, former police officer, and he was highly trained and still is trained in chemical warfare, nuclear biological warfare, weapons of mass destruction, and explosives. So he's, he's got an incredible background. He's been a guest uh, on some of the continuing legal education shows that I've done, and he's, he's just a, a great resource for an event like this. Jared, welcome to the show, and let's thank you, let, Richard. Let's begin. So we have to go out there. We have to get supplies. We have to get you know food, fresh fruits and vegetables, and things like that. Uh, we may need to go to the pharmacy and pick up some items for whatever allergies and regular stuff. What do we do when we go out there? to give ourselves as much real maximum protection as opposed to just psychological protection? Well, just like you said, we definitely have to protect ourselves. Um, the, uh, the main thing is to handle this slow and methodically. Uh, you have to keep yourself safe. You have to keep yourself distanced from other people and, uh, you have to be mindful as if this was a, a biological warfare agent. Uh, I'm not saying that uh, the COVID-19 virus was purposely set upon us, uh, but I am saying that the, the way to properly protect yourself is to treat this identical to a biological warfare agent type incident. Um, the main thing that I would stress is uh, avoiding different forms of transmission. The, uh, the COVID-19 virus could be transmitted uh, through mucous membranes or through your eyes. So uh, it's very important that you, number one, of course, keep your hands washed and clean with soap and water at all times. If you can use an antimicrobial soap, that would be better. Uh, Also, when washing your hands, keep in mind that uh, you don't instantly kill the COVID-19 virus. You you need to wait and wash for a prolonged amount of time. Think of yourself as if you're a, a surgeon getting ready to go into the operating room they don't just wash their hands for a second and stop. They uh, they really rigorously uh, scrub uh, and allow that to uh, permeate and then wash it clean. Um, so keeping that in mind, um, you also need to uh, protect your eyes. I recommend people, uh, if, you, if you don't wear glasses, sunglasses will do, or uh, safety glasses or any type of safety shield. Um uh, Keep in mind that uh, someone sneezing can uh, put projectile uh, as much as 10 feet away. So uh, you need to protect yourself from that at all times. So even though they've been saying publicly six feet, you're really recommending 10 feet. 
I'm really recommending 10 feet. Okay. It's, it's that serious that uh, you shouldn't be taking chances. If you can distance yourself even more, more the better. Now, let's go back to the hand washing. Does it matter if you use like super scalding hot water? Does that make a difference? Because I, I, that's what I've been doing. But, you know, we're all kind of in the dark here. You're, you're more of the expert. Does the temperature right. of the water matter or is it just the vigorous soaping? It, it's more the vigorous soaping. Um, the hot water, you're not going to get it hot enough. If you were to make it that hot that you were trying to kill the virus with hot water, you'd also be burning your hands. And I don't want to see anyone getting burned trying to uh, to wash themselves. So you can just use regular water. Uh, just use soap and uh, scrub vigorously. Uh, make sure you get in between your fingers, the backs of your hands, your fingernails, your fingertips, um, just, you know, that that's your, your best defense in this situation. Does it also help to maybe soak your hands in like a pool of soapy water on top of it? Would that do any difference? Make a difference? Uh, not really. Um, you're more best with, with the vigorous rubbing because if it's on the surface of your hands, um, you have more of a chance of, of getting it off that surface and flushing it away from your hands. So th- think of it as if you got something in, in your eyes, you wouldn't want to just like soak your eye. You would want to brush it away with the force from the water to uh, to clear it away from your eyes. So uh, it, it's very similar to that. You, you'd want to flush it away from your hands and, and you know do that with water. So let's talk a little bit about all these contact services. You know, you go to the pharmacy, you go to the supermarket, and then of course, even if you use a credit card and you don't use cash, you still have to touch the touchpad. And then of course there's the famous pen to sign your name. Um, right. And so mm-hmm. here they are telling us don't touch anything and don't get near everybody. And yet the, the main vehicle of payment only involves all the same people touching the same thing who've probably touched their eyes and their mouth or maybe even mm-hmm. coughed well, on their hands. Let, let, let me start by saying that cash is, is the most filthiest thing that you probably will be touching ever in your life. Um, you can't imagine where that money's been, and uh, it, it's just a horrible way to uh, to transmit disease from person to person is uh, through cash currency. Um, so if you can avoid cash at all costs, you should. Uh, I'm strictly plastic right now. Um, even that, you know, you're, you're taking those cards and you're dipping them in machines, and you don't know where that other person's card has been. And then they put it in the machine. You don't know if you can cross-contaminate from inside the machine. Uh, your best bet is to take a, a damp cloth and uh, wipe your cards down as well. I, I certainly would, and I do. Um, I would just be cautious not to submerge the card or to uh, to put anything near the magnetic strip. Of course, that is the main point where it's going to be transmitting. But, you know, if you damage the information on your card, the card is useless, obviously. Um, again, um, just a damp cloth, maybe with a, uh, any type of, uh, antimicrobial spray or, uh, an alcohol prep pad. Any of those can be used to clean those cards and, uh, and not damage them. How do you feel about those spray disinfectants? Well, again, it, it depends what's in the spray. Um, and, and I'd like everyone to please be very careful not to use too high of a concentration of alcohol. You don't want to burn your skin. Um, Usually children have a lot of problems with that because their skin's a little more sensitive. But um, 
you need at least uh, 70% isopropyl alcohol concentration in your uh, in your spray if it's an alcohol-based spray. There's other chemical-based sprays. Um, some people have sensitivity to them. You might just want to test it before you uh, you take it out with you and see if you, your skin reacts to it. Most people don't have that kind of problem. Um, but uh, any kind of germicidal or uh, or any type of uh, antimicrobial spray are great to have. Okay. Uh, so let's go back to the issue of traversing in the universe. What do you, yeah. what do you, what is your, what is your battle gear? What are you wearing? Are you wearing a hat, well, gloves? Well, you, you know what I'm going to, I'm going to tell you yes, just yesterday I equipped my family. My, uh, my parents, uh, insisted of course on going out food shopping. I of course protested strongly, but lost. Um, but here's what they did. Um, they had face masks. They had gloves, they had spray, and they had eye protection. Um, and uh, and I hate to say that there are people out there that are purposely spitting at others. Um, there have been several incidents where that's occurred, and uh, you just you never know when you're out in public who you're going to run into. I think we'll address that a little later in the show yeah. uh, when we talk about safety. But you know, it's very important that you have all this protection. Um, and I know. Right now, uh, some of that stuff might be a little hard to get, but slowly but surely it is coming back on the shelves in the stores for you to purchase. Um, the other thing I'd like to uh, bring to everyone's attention is they should uh, also clean the bottoms of their shoes if they're going to be getting into their cars because imagine someone sneezes and doesn't cover their mouth and uh, those projectile uh, droplets wind up on the floor and can easily transfer to the bottom of your shoe. And it can easily wind up on the bottom of your uh, your car's carpeting, and you don't want to be taking that home with you. So uh, the other thing, if you're wearing gloves, uh, once you're done, the gloves come off before you touch the car door handle, before you get into the car. That's your barrier. Treat those gloves like they're on fire. You don't touch your eyes with the gloved hand. You touch anything with that other than the shopping cart or whatever items you're loading. And you got to keep that in mind too. That you know, that that's another way you want to avoid cross contamination with your gloves at all times. Uh, don't get in your car. Don't touch your steering wheel with those gloves. Don't touch uh, any controls or or doors, doorknobs, anything along that line. Let me, and uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to. So what I do, and tell me if this is wrong. Um, <laughs> I take out one of those disinfectant wipes, and I actually, as soon as I'm done shopping. I wipe the gloves down completely in the disinfectant cloth and I wipe down the steering wheel, all the controls and everything because uh, if I'm going to go out, I usually go to multiple places and just get it over with over for the one day. And then I try to take a break from going out for a while. Because um, otherwise you're, I don't have enough gloves to really last uh, for, you know, one-time use. Right. Okay. So if you're going to do that, that, that's okay for a bit. Keep in mind that um, the chemicals in in some of the um, cleaners may break down the uh, the gloves themselves, and they'll eventually disintegrate on you. So just be aware of that. You don't want gloves with any holes on them. Um, but the uh, the main thing to remember is when you do wipe those gloves down, that it's not an instant killer. So you need to have the uh, the solution on the gloves for 
maybe two to three minutes until it kills everything that's possibly on those worms. Well, I haven't been doing that, so I have to, I guess. Uh, that, yeah, yeah. Not, 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 not many people are aware that you need to do that. Most people think that it's an instant thing that, you know, oh, I wiped them down and, and I'm good. You're not. You need to wipe them and wait, and it takes about two minutes to kill everything. Wow. In so- some cases, it can even take longer. So when you, let's go back to the hand washing. So the, yes. the hand washing, that's about a two to three minute wash. You know, if you're just an average person walking around and, and touching things, two to three minutes is, is good enough. Um, if you're a healthcare provider, you might want to do that for a bit longer duration because you're probably more in contact with, uh, with possible germs, just germs in general, not, not COVID-19, but just everything in general. You might want to just take a little more time to, to wash down because you don't want to transmit that to your patients. So you go out. Now, let's talk about coming back. So, you know, you get into your car, and even though you've wiped everything down or you've used a handle as the barrier, um, and we still have our, our footwear, what's our protocol for kind of getting back in the house? And what do we do with the clothing? At least it's getting warm enough that uh, we can maybe undress in the street and, and, or put our stuff in a bag. But what do you recommend we do with the hat and the gloves? And the coat yeah, well, and the pants. Well, it, definitely, it definitely couldn't hurt if you have a bag where you could just put your outer garments into. And uh, if you have any kind of spray that you can uh, that you can use to disinfect them, that would be great. But, uh, of course, you know, not always possible and, and not always convenient. And, you know, very, sometimes it could be very tricky to do that. Um, best recommendation in a case like that. Shoes, you know, you know once you, if you could spray the bottom of your shoes, um you can get right back in the car and you're good for the rest of the day. Uh, by the time you reach home, the chemicals on the bottom of your shoes will have killed anything that you picked up in the store or on the street. Um, as far as uh, your clothing, you know, just you might want to test it before you spray anything to make sure you're not going to damage the clothing. Uh, if it's clothing that is easily damaged, you might want to reconsider bringing it out on your your excursion. Um, I personally recommend uh, any type of like rain type windbreaker or, or rain jacket. Uh, th- those seem to be very resilient to, uh, to sprays and they'll also protect you from uh, any type of uh, projectile um, droplets that are in the air. Now, do you recommend that when you come back, you take your clothing and, and if, let's say you have to wear it again fairly quickly. Um, and you don't have the time to, to wash it. Do you recommend putting it in the dryer and, let, and putting on high heat to just bake everything out? If you can go through a full wash and dry, uh, just baking it in the dryer is not going to it's not going to probably work for what you're trying to accomplish. It, it's probably just going to damage your clothes. But if you can just wash your clothes with like regular detergent and then dry it normally, uh, you'll probably uh, kill 100 percent of anything that could have been on it. The detergents usually. Uh, kill any type of uh, virus. So let's talk, we only have a couple of minutes left in this segment because it's, it's critically important. So how long does, you know, we've heard from, you know, the, the, the news media and some of the reporting about the, the droplets staying on different kinds of surfaces. How long do they actually stay on some of these surfaces and how long can they stay on the surfaces? Like a door handle of a car, for example. Right. So I've heard, um, 
different tests that they've done have said, um, you know, two to three days on certain surfaces maximum. But then there was a case of a, uh, a cruise ship in, I believe, California, where it was like 15 days since the, it came back with people who were tested positive for COVID-19. And they were still finding live COVID-19 on the ship. And it was like almost two weeks later. So I think it has to do a lot with the type of environment that it's in. If, if you have a hospitable vi- environment for the COVID-19 virus to live in, it'll continue to live. Um, I know uh, so different metals have different effects on, on viruses. And uh, I believe uh, copper and brass, uh, generally, uh, it has a very short life on. And steel uh, as well. But um, you know, it changes metal to metal and it changes material to material. So you know, someone can go out and, and do all the studies they want. The bottom line is um, you need to protect yourself. And I wouldn't be too concerned with, you know, oh, that, that's uh, a steel surface as a, opposed to a brass surface. Um, I, I would just be more concerned with just cleaning everything and, wor- you know, not worrying about, you know, how long it's been there. Just clean everything regardless. All right. This is Richard Solomon. This is Taking Care of Business. This is a special uh, report that we're bringing to you during the COVID-19 crisis. We need you to be safe and careful out there. This is uh, Jared Ring, who's an expert on the topic, having been an EMS uh, supervisor, paramedic in New York, uh, where we're experiencing as a state uh, just a tremendous number of cases. And we're giving you some tips and strategies on how to stay safe. We'll be right back. Uh, If you missed any part of this, we'll be posting this on our podcast platforms and on YouTube. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Anastasia Zotos from Athens, Greece, and we listen to Richard Solomon on our computers, and we love it. Welcome back. This is Richard Solomon, my expert guest, Jared Ring. Thank you for listening and for other uh, COVID-19-related information that we're broadcasting on WCWP. Check out our social media and check out um, our different uh, platforms as we're posting all kinds of really important information to help everyone through the crisis. Okay, Jared. So uh, one of the things that I wanted to talk about a little bit was decontamination. So I've come back from the grocery store. I've got shopping bags. I've got things that have been handled and touched by people, some with gloves. Although if you are wearing a glove and you cough into the glove and then you touch things, it's still spreading it. Um, what do I do with all that, all, all of those packages and how do I treat it? And I read somewhere that, you know, if you touch a piece of produce like a fruit or a vegetable, it, it's been possibly touched by 10 people before you. What do you do with all this stuff? Do you quarantine it? Do you wash everything? Do you get an ultraviolet light? What do you do? Well, the information you're, you're saying is definitely true that other people have touched your items. Um, and it depends on how crazy that store is. A lot of people could have touched your items. So, um, you know, the best thing you could do is, is wipe it down. Uh, if you can come up with a, a soapy water solution, uh, if you can get alcohol and wipe certain items down with alcohol or um, other items that aren't affected by bleach, I would use a, a very uh, diluted bleach solution on a rag. Any, any of that is good. And then just wait a few minutes afterwards before 
touching it again to guarantee that you've uh, waited for any type of uh, viral um, presence to die down at that point. But, um, you know, the, the truth of the matter is many people could have touched it and you, you just don't know. So your best bet is to play it safe in a case like that and just wipe everything down as much as possible. Now, again, I guess all these different, so basically every surface is a potential danger. So well, every every surface has the potential for cross contamination. So if someone didn't touch something directly, it's possible that you know something else that was touched directly could have come in contact with it. Um, the shopping cart is probably the most filthiest thing in the uh, in the supermarkets. I know that recently the supermarkets are paying a lot of attention to that fact, and that they're doing their best to spray their carts down as well as the store. But you know, in, in previous times, you know that that would have probably been unheard of. You know to decontaminate a shopping cart. Um, I don't think it was really done on any, on any regular basis, but just imagine how many people are touching that bar. Uh, I don't even touch the bar anymore. I pull it from the other end. <laughs> that's a great wire. idea. Oh, that's a yeah. great idea. Yeah, exactly. Now what's interesting is I remember a long time ago, people used to say when talking about the transference of germs, that restaurant menus were a, a tremendous vehicle for for because they're never washed they're never mm-hmm. you know they're just well, well not only are they never washed but then the surface you know they, they like to laminate everything and put them in plastic and uh and viruses can live on that i think a little longer than they would if it was on say paper um so maybe uh we should go by by the the way of uh getting rid of menus in the future and going with digital and let them uh shoot you a PDF to your phone when you walk in so you can see that these specials. But, uh, it, you know, it, it's definitely something that's been handed around, um, not gone through any official cleaning process. Um, it's maybe something maybe the Department of Health should uh, institute a program with restaurants and, and let them know that, yeah, you need to clean those menus down because you're handing them out to everyone and you're cross-contaminated. Well, I, I assume we're going to really look at the world much differently after we emerge out of all this. Well, I'll tell you, I, for one, definitely am. Um, and there's people that are probably sitting there shaking their heads at me going, no, no, you know, we'll go back to normal, but we really won't go back to normal after this. There's going to be a new normal. And uh, for those who, who watch the show Monk or, or deal with anyone with um, OCD or anything like that, you know that, you know, they, they, there's something to what they... Uh, they were practicing in the past where, you know, maybe someone goes and uh, cleans an item 20 times. Well, maybe you don't need to clean it 20 times, but, you know, something that you wouldn't normally clean, maybe now you should. And you're going to have to be very careful of what you're touching and touching your face and touching your eyes or touching your nose or your mouth. So um, it's just things to keep in mind for the future. Well, speaking of touching, we probably touch the cell phone more than any other item. Uh, and yet... That's where I guess the tremendous danger can be because, you know, you're, you're touching the supermarket shopping cart handle. You then answer the phone or you call someone because they don't have an item and do you want this instead? And then you've transferred it to something that basically goes straight to your face or, or yep. at least touches your face. And then, mm-hmm. of course, your mouth is so close to, you know, in your ears. So what do you recommend with that? Yeah, so um, like I said, you're, you're going to need to wash your hands more frequently. 
You're going to need to carry wipes with you, wash your phones down. Um, you, you want to even know what items they find on phones themselves. Um, it, it's disgusting what, what comes up in, in the analysis when they, they run uh, to see, you know, uh, what, what's been on certain items. ATM machines are, are another item. Um, and then one item that I encountered back when I was in healthcare, which I thought was absolutely horrible, was um, biometric time clocks. Are you familiar with those, Richard? No. Is that where you like they do like a retina scan or something? Well, no, not a retina scan. What it is is you have an ID code that you type in, and then it asks you to insert your hand, and it actually measures the length of your fingers to verify that you are who you are, that someone else isn't punching in or out for you. And I've seen them before in the healthcare business, and I think they used a lot uh, big box stores and, and retail stores uh, so they can eliminate people trying to defraud their uh, their timekeeper. But um, in actuality, especially in, in the healthcare field, you're all touching this one surface to put your hand into that clock, uh, you know, for purposes of verification of who you are. But at the same time, you're all cross-infecting all of your employees. So uh, I used to carry a, uh, a disinfectant spray, and people would look at me like I'm crazy going out every couple of minutes and spraying down the time clock. I'm like, what are you doing? And I'd be like, this is absolutely disgusting. We're, you know, we're healthcare providers. Um, we're touching people. We're touching surfaces in hospitals. We're touching medical equipment. We're touching vehicles. And I don't know, you know where everyone's been, but I don't want everyone to put their hand in one common place and contaminate the entire office. Right, because all all you need is sort of one person to introduce some pathogen. That that's all you need, and then that's then it just spreads from there. Mm-hmm. Now, I saw something on television where, because this virus is so contagious, it's like if if you have the flu and you're not following like general safety hygiene protocols, you you give it to like maybe I don't know two or three other people, and then it spreads. But for some reason. The spread here is more like if you're not careful, you can give it to like 15 or something like that. Right. Well, so this is this is a whole new territory we're dealing with with the COVID-19 virus. It seems to be extremely contagious. And there's people who've contracted it who just have no idea how they even got it. So I'm uh, I'm coming down with the idea that, you know, they, they either caught it through airborne transmission or surface transmission and they touched their face. But, um, you know, it, it's a very scary type of situation because uh, not much is known about COVID-19. And uh, it seems to be able to uh, to spread from person to person with uh, with a lot of ease. Now, in pre-production, we we're talking about the N95 mask. And something that you said was very interesting. The N95 mask keeps away 95% of the viral particles. But that's still means that the 5% can kind of get in. So, okay. that, that, so is that is that not a, really that great of a, I mean, it's better than nothing, mm-hmm. but but does it really leave a window of opportunity for the virus to really to hurt everybody? No, because no, let's discuss that a little further. So an N95 respirator, okay, it's not just a mask, it's called a respirator. And the reason why it's called that is because it's a, a little more sophisticated than just a simple face mask. The N95 respirator is intended to have a total seal around the person's mouth and nose, and outside contaminants are not supposed to get in. Uh, They do expect 2%, I believe, 
can get around that mask and get inside. Um, the mask itself is supposed to filter out 95% of particles, but what's most important is the size of the particles that we're dealing with. Now, the COVID-19 virus is 0.125 microns in maximum size, and the N95 mask can filter that out. The problem is other masks, most other masks, can only handle particles that are of 0.300 microns in size, meaning that anything smaller than 0.3 microns can get by, meaning that they're totally useless to stopping COVID-19. So all these regular face masks that you're seeing and people using bandanas or pieces of cloth, unfortunately, in a situation like this, you're dealing with either all or nothing. There's no, well, it'll help a little. No, it'll either help you or it won't help you at all because those particles can go straight through. I'm sure everyone's seen the viral videos of people making uh, homemade masks. Um, unless you have the uh, the polystyrene uh, material that's uh, being used to make N95 masks, um, you're, you're not going to be able to stop the uh, COVID-19 virus from passing through that mask without any problem. So you may be actually causing a bigger problem using a non-certified um, improper mask. And uh, and then as far as the, the other, the 5% that we were talking about, it's actually 5 plus the other 2% that can get around the mask. So maybe 7% of particles could get through. It's very unlikely that you would be able to get a particle through because of the uh, the size of filtering that the N95 is capable of. Now, I did see something on the internet, which was a surgeon talking about the N95 mask, and they said that they need to be fitted, and you correct. can't keep reusing them. So, correct. So let, let's talk about that for a second. So the N95 respirator, when properly issued by a healthcare provider, has to be what's called fit-tested and they give you a fit test certificate. And what that encompasses is a test where you put the respirator on your face and you uh, you have to pull those straps extremely tight to, to make it very brushed to your face and create a seal. And you have to bend the uh, the metal portion on top. There's a, a bridge, over, um, a nose bridge that needs to be bent and conformed to the person's face. They then place a hood over your head that you can look through. It's a, it's a clear shield, but it's a hood with a hole in the front. And uh, while you're breathing, they have you breathe deeply. And the person conducting the test sprays aerosolized saccharin. And that, that's the same substance that's a, a sugar substitute. They, they spray that aerosolized in the, the, uh, under the vent uh, of the hood. And if the person wearing that mask is able to taste the saccharin, that's the indicator that you do not have a proper fit on that mask or it's not the proper size. Wow. At which point, I'm sorry, go ahead. I said, wow, that's, you know, that's, that's interesting because I, I thought that the test would be, could you smell it? Cause it would smell like a sweet, but apparently if it's, if you could taste it, I mean, it's really penetrated your system. Yeah. Oh, you'll, you'll know instantly if you could taste that too. It, it, it's not a taste that you would easily forget, but, um, the, uh, the, the person conducting the test would then either change the size or the uh, manufacturer of that mask until they're able to spray it. Uh, the other issue is uh, facial hair. So if they're fit testing you, 
you cannot have any facial hair. You have to shave and uh, no beards, no mustache, nothing. It's got to be gone. And uh, they'll test you in, in that fashion. And when you say, yeah, I don't taste it, then that's a, a passing test. And that's how they, uh, they tell you what mask and what size of that mask you should use to protect yourself. So speaking of facial hair for the moment, to switch gears, is it, do you recommend that because everything is in flux right now that we don't get those, you know, two, three, four, five day uh, lazy beards? Um, oh, like what I have on right now? <laughs> um, no, it, it, it's okay. If you're going to go out with a respirator on, uh, you're going to need to shave before you do that because you're not able to have a proper seal of the mask if you have facial hair. But if you're at home like you should be, uh, so I think we can uh, we can uh, get away with it for a few days. Uh, but I'm telling you, if you have to go out to the supermarket, is it better because then you can wash your face more effectively? Or it doesn't yeah, make you're a gonna, difference? You're, you're going to have to shave to, for the main purpose of... Uh, you know, creating that seal with the uh, the respirator. And uh, I, I think in, in general, it's just a, a smart idea when you're going to wash your face. If you don't have facial hair, uh, leaves a little chance for the virus to be on your facial hair. Gotcha. All right. So we got a couple more minutes to go in this segment. And um, I guess I just want to re-explore something before we go into the last segment, which will be about personal safety uh, in the world out there. Um they they're, they are saying that even though the masks that we're wearing, whether they're bandanas or makeshift masks, don't really do much other than psychological comfort, they still recommend it. What what's your view on all of that? Is it, right. Is so it, you know, I mean, it's very it, it's very difficult for people to get a hold of, of the equipment right now, and uh, you know the, the fact that there's people out there that were hoarding or uh, you know just facilities that where they're, they're just not issuing it to personnel that that's becoming an issue. Friends of mine are, are very desperate right now for that equipment. Um, I'm personally doing my best to get that equipment to them, uh, through contacts that I have, but again, you know, very difficult to get N95 masks. Um, one person told me that, uh, his daughter is a nurse at a Long Island hospital. I won't name the hospital, but, um, she, uh, he's telling me that she's, uh, sharing one mask between several nurses when they have to go visit patients in their rooms because they don't have any more masks. Um, I know the questions come up, how long is the mask good for and can you reuse it? Unfortunately, there's way too many variables to give an exact date, of, date or time of expiration on when that mask is no longer viable. Uh, it's based upon um, how deep that person or persons using it are breathing. Uh, and it's also going to be based upon uh, what the accumulation is on the surface of that mask uh, to cause any kind of uh, blockage of the filtering system of that mask. So uh, I can't give an actual time. Um, I know there's been a number of uh, expired masks that have been located and people are running around with expired masks on. Um, in the situation we're currently in, uh, we really don't have too much of a choice. I don't see it being that huge of a problem as long as the masks themselves aren't damaged by any kind of moisture, mildew, water, or or anything that could uh, compromise the mask's integrity. Um, other than an expiration date, the mask is probably going to be okay. But again, you know, we're, we're in a, a dire situation and uh, there may not be any other masks available. All right. This is Richard Salmon with Jared Ring. 
We're going to continue our coverage with uh, COVID-19. Please stay tuned. Hey, this is Johnny Rulo, and you're listening to Richie Solomon on 88.1 FM WCWP. Welcome back. This is Richard Solomon, my expert guest, Jared Ring. Thank you for listening and for other COVID-19 related information that we're broadcasting on WCWP. Check out our social media and check out um, our different uh, platforms as we're posting all kinds of really important information to help everyone through the crisis. Okay, Jared. So uh, one of the things that I wanted to talk about a little bit was decontamination. So I've come back from the grocery store. I've got shopping bags. I've got things that have been handled and touched by people, some with gloves. Although if you are wearing a glove and you cough into the glove and then you touch things, it's still spreading it. Um, what do I do with all that, all, all of those packages and how do I treat it and I read somewhere that, you know, if you touch a piece of produce like a fruit or a vegetable, it's been possibly touched by 10 people before you. What do you do with all this stuff? Do you quarantine it? Do you wash everything? Do you get an ultraviolet light? What do you do? Well, the information you're you're saying is definitely true that other people have touched your items. Um, And it depends on how crazy that store is. A lot of people could have touched your items. So, um, you know, the best thing you could do is, is wipe it down. Uh, if you can come up with a, a soapy water solution, uh, if you can get alcohol and wipe certain items down with alcohol or um, other items that aren't affected by bleach, I would use a, a very uh, diluted bleach solution on a rag. Any, any of that is good. And then just wait a few minutes afterwards before touching it again to guarantee that you've uh, waited for any type of uh, viral um, presence to die down at that point. But, um, you know, the, the truth of the matter is many people could have touched it and you, you just don't know. So your best bet is to play it safe in a case like that and just wipe everything down as much as possible. Now, again, I guess all these different, so basically every surface is a potential danger. So well, every every surface has the potential for cross contamination. So if someone didn't touch something directly, it's possible that you know something else that was touched directly could have come in contact with it. Um, the shopping cart is probably the most filthiest thing in the uh, in the supermarkets. I know that recently the supermarkets are paying a lot of attention to that fact, and that they're doing their best to spray their carts down as well as the store, but. You know, in, in previous times, you know, that, that would have probably been unheard of, you know, to decontaminate a shopping cart. Um, I don't think it was really done on any on any regular basis. But just imagine how many people are touching that bar. Uh, I don't even touch the bar anymore. I, I pull it from the other end. <laughs> that's a great wire. idea. Oh, that's a yeah. great idea. Yeah. Exactly. Now, what's interesting is I remember a long time ago, people used to say, when talking about the transference of germs, that restaurant menus were a a tremendous vehicle for for because they're never washed they're never mm-hmm. you know they're just well, well not only are they never washed but then the surface you know they, they like to laminate thing and put them in plastic and uh and viruses can live on that i think a little longer than they would if it was on say paper um so maybe uh we should go by by the the way of uh getting rid of menus in the future and going with digital and let them uh 
shoot you a PDF to your phone when you walk in so you can see that day's specials. But, uh, you know, it's definitely something that's been handed around, um, not gone through any official cleaning process. Um, It's maybe something maybe the Department of Health should uh, institute a program with restaurants and, and let them know that, yeah, you need to clean those menus down because you're handing them out to everyone and you're cross-contaminated. Well, I, I assume we're going to really look at the world much differently after we emerge out of all this. Well, I'll tell you, I, I for one, definitely am. Um, and, and there's people that are probably sitting there shaking their heads at me going, no, no, you know, we'll go back to normal, but we really won't go back to normal after this. There's going to be a new normal. And uh, for those who, who watch the show Monk or, or deal with anyone with um, OCD or anything like that, you know that, you know, they, 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 there's something to what they uh, they were practicing in the past where, you know, maybe someone goes and uh, cleans an item 20 times. Well, maybe you don't need to clean it 20 times, but, you know, something that you wouldn't normally clean, maybe now you should. And you're going to have to be very careful of what you're touching and touching your face and touching your eyes or touching your nose or your mouth. So um, it's just things to keep in mind for the future. Well, speaking of touching, we probably touch the cell phone more than any other item. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet that's where I guess the tremendous danger can be because, you know, you're, you're touching the supermarket shopping cart handle. You then answer the phone or you call someone because they don't have an item and do you want this instead? And then you've transferred it to something that basically goes straight to your face or, or yep. at least touches your face. And then, mm-hmm. of course, your mouth is so close to, you know, in your ears. So what do you recommend with that? Yeah, so um, like I said, you're, you're going to need to wash your hands more frequently. You're going to need to carry wipes with you, wash your phones down. Um, you, you want to even know what items they find on phones themselves. Um, it, it's disgusting what, what comes up in, in the analysis when they, they run uh, to see, you know, uh, what, what's been on certain items. ATM machines are, are another item. Um, and then one item that I encountered back when I was in healthcare, which I thought was absolutely horrible, was um, biometric time clocks. Are you familiar with those, Richard? No. Is that where you like, they do like a retina scan or something? Well, no, not a retina scan. What it is is you have an ID code that you type in and then it asks you to insert your hand and it actually measures the length of your fingers to verify that you are who you are, that someone else isn't punching in or out for you. And I've seen them before in the healthcare business and I think they used a lot uh, big box stores and, and retail stores uh, so they can eliminate people trying to defraud their uh, their timekeeper. But um, in actuality, especially in, in the healthcare field, you're all touching this one surface to put your hand into that clock, uh, you know, for purposes of verification of who you are. But at the same time, you're all cross-infecting all of your employees. So uh, I used to carry a uh, a disinfectant spray, and people would look at me like I'm crazy, going out every couple of minutes and spraying down the time clock. I'm like, what are you doing? And I'd be like, this is absolutely disgusting. We're you know we're healthcare providers. Um, we're touching people. We're touching surfaces in hospitals. We're touching medical equipment, we're touching vehicles, and I don't know, you know, where everyone's been, but I don't want everyone to put their hand in one common place and contaminate the entire office. 
Right, because all, all you need is sort of one person to introduce some pathogen. That That's all you need. And then that's then it just spreads from there. Now, mm-hmm. I saw something on television where, because this virus is so contagious, it's like if, if you have the flu and you're not following, like, general safety hygiene protocols, you, you give it to, like, maybe, I don't know, two or three other people, and then it spreads. But for some reason... The spread here is more like if you're not careful, you can give it to like 15 or something like that. Right. Well, so this is this is a whole new territory we're dealing with with the COVID-19 virus. It seems to be extremely contagious. And there's people who've contracted it who just have no idea how they even got it. So I'm uh, I'm coming down with the idea that, you know, they, they either caught it through airborne transmission or surface transmission and they touched their face. But, um, you know, it, it's a very scary type situation because uh, not much is known about COVID-19. And uh, it seems to be able to uh, to spread from person to person with uh, with a lot of ease. Now, in pre-production, we we're talking about the N95 mask. And something that you said was very interesting. The N95 mask keeps away 95% of the viral particles. But that's still means that the 5% can kind of get in. So, okay. that, that, so is that is that not a, really that great of a, I mean, it's better than nothing, mm-hmm. but but does it really leave a window of opportunity for the virus to really hu- to hurt everybody? No, because no, let's discuss that a little further. So an N95 respirator, okay, it's not just a mask, it's called a respirator. And the reason why it's called that is because it's a, a little more sophisticated than just a simple face mask. The N95 respirator is intended to have a total seal around the person's mouth and nose, and outside contaminants are not supposed to get in. Uh, they do expect 2%, I believe, can get around that mask and get inside. Um, the mask itself is supposed to filter out 95% of particles, but what's most important is the size of the particles that we're dealing with. Now, the COVID-19 virus is 0.125 microns in maximum size, and the N95 mask can filter that out. The problem is other masks, most other masks, can only handle particles that are of 0.300 microns in size, meaning that anything smaller than 0.3 microns can get by, meaning that they're totally useless to stopping COVID-19. So all these regular face masks that you're seeing and people using bandanas or pieces of cloth. Unfortunately, in a situation like this, you're dealing with either all or nothing. There's no, well, it'll help a little. No, it'll either help you or it won't help you at all because those particles can go straight through. I'm sure everyone's seen the viral videos of people making uh, homemade masks um, unless you have the uh, the polystyrene uh, material that's uh, being used to make N95 masks, um, you're, you're not going to be able to stop the uh, COVID-19 virus from passing through that mask without any problem. So you may be actually causing a bigger problem using a non-certified um, improper mask. And uh, and then as far as the the other the five percent that we were talking, it's actually five plus the other two percent that can get around the mask, so maybe 7% of particles could get through, it's very unlikely that you would be able to get 
a particle through because of the uh, the size of filtering that the N95 is capable of. Now, I did see something on the internet, which was a surgeon talking about the N95 mask, and they said that they need to be fitted, and you Correct. can't keep reusing them. So, correct. So let's talk about that for a second. So the N95 respirator, when properly issued by a healthcare provider, has to be what's called fit tested, and they give you a fit test certificate. And what that encompasses is a test where you put the respirator on your face, and you uh, you have to pull those straps extremely tight to, to make it very flush to your face and create a seal. And you have to bend the uh, the metal portion on top there's a, a bridge over, um, a nose bridge that needs to be bent and conformed to the person's face they then place a hood over your head that you can look through it's a, it's a clear shield but it's a hood with a hole in the front and uh, while you're breathing they have you breathe deeply and the person conducting the test sprays aerosolized saccharin and that, that's the same substance that's a, a sugar substitute they, they spray that aerosolized in the, the, uh, under the vent uh, of the hood. And if the person wearing that mask is able to taste the saccharin, that's the indicator that you do not have a proper fit on that mask or it's not the proper size. Wow. At which point, I'm sorry, go ahead. I said, wow, that's, you know, that's, that's interesting because I, I thought that the test would be, could you smell it? Because it would smell like a sweet. But apparently if, it's, if you could taste it, I mean, it, it's really penetrated your system. Yeah, oh, you'll you'll know instantly if you could taste that too. It, it, it's not a taste that you would easily forget. But um, the uh, the the person conducting the test would then either change the size or the uh, manufacturer of that mask until they're able to spray it. Uh, the other issue is uh, facial hair. So if they're fit testing you, you cannot have any facial hair. You have to shave, and uh, no beards, no mustache, nothing. It's got to be gone. And uh, they'll test you in, in that fashion. And when you say, yeah, I don't taste it, then that's a, a passing test. And that's how they, uh, they tell you what mask and what size of that mask you should use to protect yourself. So speaking of facial hair for the moment, to switch gears, is it, do you recommend that because everything is in flux right now that we don't get those, you know, two, three, four, five-day uh, lazy beards um, oh, like what I have on right now? <laughs> um, no, it, it, it's okay. If you're going to go out with a respirator on, uh, you're going to need to shave before you do that because you're not able to have a proper seal of the mask if you have facial hair. But if you're at home like you should be, uh, it's, uh, I think we can uh, we can uh, get away with it for a few days. Uh, but I'm telling you, if you have to go out to the supermarket, is it better because then you can wash your face more effectively? Or it doesn't yeah, make a difference? You're, you're going to have to shave to, for the main purpose of, uh, you know, creating that seal with the uh, the respirator. And uh, I, I think in, in general, it's just a, a smart idea when you're going to wash your face. If you don't have facial hair, uh, it leaves a little chance for the virus to be on your facial hair. Gotcha. All right. So we got a couple more minutes to go in this segment. And um, I guess I just want to re-explore something before we go into the last segment, which will be about personal safety uh, in the world out there. Um, they, they are saying that even though the masks that we're wearing, whether they're bandanas or makeshift masks, don't really do much other than psychological comfort, they still recommend it. 
What what's your view on all of that? Is it, right. Is so it, you know, it, it's very it, it's very difficult for people to get a hold of, of the equipment right now, and uh, you know the, the fact that there's people out there that were hoarding or uh, you know just facilities that where they're, they're just not issuing it to personnel that that's becoming an issue. Friends of mine are are very desperate right now for that equipment. Um, I'm personally doing my best to get that equipment to them uh, through contacts that I have. But again, you know, very difficult to get N95 masks. Um, one person told me that uh, his daughter is a nurse at a Long Island hospital. I won't name the hospital. But um, she uh, he's telling me that she's uh, sharing one mask between several nurses when they have to go visit patients in their rooms because they don't have any more masks. Um I know the questions come up, how long is the mask good for and can you reuse it? Unfortunately, there's way too many variables to give an exact date, of, date or time of expiration on when that mask is no longer viable. Uh, it's based upon um, how deep that person or persons using it are breathing. Uh, and it's also going to be based upon uh, what the accumulation is on the surface of that mask uh, to cause any kind of uh blockage of the filtering system of that mask. So uh, I can't give an actual time. Um, I know there's been a number of uh, expired masks that have been located and people are running around with expired masks on. Um, In the situation we're currently in, uh, we really don't have too much of a choice. I don't see it being that huge of a problem as long as the masks themselves aren't damaged by any kind of moisture, mildew, water, or or anything that could uh, compromise the mass integrity. Um, other than an expiration date, the mass is probably going to be okay. But again, you know, we're, we're in a, a dire situation, and uh, there may not be any other masks available. All right. This is Richard Salm with Jared Ring. We're going to continue our coverage with uh, COVID-19. Please stay tuned. Mm-hmm.